When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, July 24th. The Is My Child a Monster edition? I'm Zach Rosen. I host another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show. I'm the dad to Noah, who's five, and Ami, who is two. We live in Detroit. I'm Jamila Lemieux. I'm a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Leslie Cohen-Buberry. I am a clinical social worker with a private practice, and the parenting podcast name is My Child a Monster. I have three children. Travis is 36 years old. Dale and Carrie are twins, and they are 33 years old. And I live in Western Connecticut. Today on the show, we're going to talk to Leslie about her show and what we can learn from listening into family therapy sessions. Then we'll answer a listener question about two kids who pulled a disappearing act during family vacation. We'll end today by sharing some recommendations, so don't go anywhere. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. All over the country... We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening... Because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. All right, we're back. Leslie, we wanted to talk a little bit about your show, which I've been listening to. It's called Is My Child a Monster? Can you tell us a little bit about what the show is and how it came to be? Sure. It's a um, parenting therapy podcast, which means I have parents who volunteer to be guests on the show, and we actually do a therapy session, and we record it live. A lot of the times, sadly, parents feel alone, and I want parents to be listening to other parents, and the second purpose is to get the therapeutic advice and resources out to more families, make it more accessible. So therapy is recommended pretty frequently these days. I know we recommend it quite often on this show, but it can be intimidating if you don't have experience with it. Uh, And it can certainly be intimidating for children. Was that something you were thinking about when you created your show? Yes, there are a lot of reasons why people don't get to therapy. 
And um, I really also want parents to uh, have an opportunity to hear this information without the financial and the uh, time frame that makes therapy sometimes very hard. People are having a lot of difficulty getting in with therapists. I mean, it is not uncommon for someone to call me and say, I've tried 17 therapists. That's overwhelming. That's, that's really tough. And so we need creative ways uh, to get therapy, you know, more accessible. You talk about giving practical advice on your show, and that's true. One thing that struck me, you say on your show that yeah. training a dog is like training a child. <laughs> is that true? Uh, yes, because much of our human interaction, just like animal interaction, is behaviorism. And so when I smile... A smile is a reinforcement, and whatever you're doing in that moment, you might repeat because I just smiled at you. If you're doing something and I, I make a face that looks more like an angry face, that might be a message and a behavioral prompt to get you to stop doing what you're doing. So animals read our faces and they read our behavior. They read our nonverbal language. So do mm. children. And the thing is, I am amazed because I'm not a good dog trainer, but I am so amazed at watching a dog trainer work with the dog. They have so much respect for that animal. Well, a good dog trainer actually has the respect of the dog and it's a mutual right. respect. They respect each other. And that is a major premise in the work that I do is mutual respect for the child so that the child respects me. I believe it goes that way. Whereas parents, a lot of parents say, my child doesn't respect me. And I make a funny face and I say, well, maybe we need to start with you respecting your child. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, dog training, animal training, there are concepts of what's going to reinforce, you know, that behavior. A very common one is that parents, um, sibling rivalry, children fighting with each other, um, when they escalate, that's when parents go in the room. So if parents go in the room when they escalate, guess what? You're going to get more of that behavior. If you go in the room when they're playing nicely before they start fighting and say, well, it looks like you guys are um, building your things together or it looks like you guys are playing this game together and you reinforce that moment, they mm. got mom's attention or dad's attention in the moment that they were doing something that you want them to do more of. That's behaviorism. You mentioned um, in one of your episodes this this strategy of so there was a there was a father talking about his daughter who was dealing with some anxiety, you know, asking a lot of what if what if this what if this what if this what is what if this and he was saying like I don't want her to grow up living like this and then you kind of reframed you know his anxiety mm -hmm. um, and suggested that they make a T graph and and um, can you just talk about that strategy because I I think that we could all us parents could benefit from you know, thinking about the, the kind of blessings and curses of each of our, not even curses, that's not probably the right way to put it, but yeah. I'll, I'll let you describe it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, every quality we have, so this child is asking what if, what if, what if. Well, the child who's asking what if might have a lot of anxiety, but they also are very detailed oriented. Like they may be a fabulous organizer, party planner, um, editor. You know, there are so many different places that a someone who's very detailed oriented mm -hmm. is going to blossom in life. So we would want to say, when does this work for you? 
and when does it not work for you? That's the T graph. So if you just put a T on a piece of paper on one side, say, when does this work for you? And when does this not work for you? Then asking a lot of questions might be the quality or the behavior that we're looking at. And she could say, well, when I raise my hand in school and ask a lot of questions, my teacher really likes it. Okay, great. It works for you to ask a lot of questions in school. When does it not work for you? Well, for my daughter, it was very funny. She used to ask and still does ask a lot of questions. And we would be watching a movie and she would ask so many questions you couldn't watch the movie. So we would give her a piece of paper and say, Dale, write your questions down as we're watching the movie. And so we just happened to find one that was 30, you know, like 25 years old. We found all of her questions um, and we tried to play the game. Guess the movie that she was asking about. Really funny. But um, (laughs) anyway, she, uh, you know, when does it work for you? When does it not work for you? So it doesn't work to ask a ton of questions while people are trying to watch a movie. And then you get away from the good and bad thinking. And then the child gets away from being shamed that, why am I asking so many questions? You're asking a lot of questions because you're detail-oriented, because you like predictable things. And that's one way for them to get to see that they are not good or bad, but that every quality works some of the time or every behavior has its Mm -hmm. pluses and minuses. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a great one. That seems like a good place to end this conversation, and we'll be sure to link to your show, Leslie, Is My Child a Monster, in the show notes. Please check it out, and we will be right back to tackle today's listener question. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back. Are you all ready to hear the question? Mm-hmm. Dear Mom and Dad, I'm in need of some serious parenting advice. We recently went on a beach house vacation with extended family and something happened that really shook us up. One day, my child and their cousin got into a small disagreement while playing. In a fit of anger, they decided to hide. Now, we were all nearby playing a game and keeping an eye on the kids, but somehow, we lost track of one of them for a few terrifying moments. We searched high and low, calling their name and getting increasingly panicked. We even went down to the beach, spoke with the neighbors, and were on the verge of calling Beach Patrol. You can imagine the relief we felt when we finally found them tucked away in the tiniest space in the back bedroom. But here's the thing. I want to make sure this doesn't happen again. I need some advice on how to prevent these situations and handle them better if they do occur. How can we encourage our child to respond when called or, better yet, avoid running away in the first place when they're angry or scared? We want them to understand the importance of staying safe and communicating with us, even in difficult moments. Thanks. Hide away Houdini's mom. Leslie, what do you say? Oh, there's a lot here. I say, I get it. 
I hear how scary that must have been. You're describing a situation that if I were in your shoes, I'd feel really scared. I would be worried, where is my child? Especially when you're at a beach, your beach vacation, and if there's water, of course there's a danger. So I would start by saying I, I want to respect the fact that it's a scary situation and probably a little upsetting, not a little, I imagine probably upsetting for the child as well, because they're running away, they may be angry or scared. Um, My guess is these are difficult situations for both involved. You know, I do wonder we are missing the age of the children here, and of the child and the cousin. And I think, although that would be really helpful I, we can certainly still speak to it, even though we don't have that information. It is very different if it's a five-year-old versus a 12-year-old. And mom, I'd say you have every right to want to prevent this from happening again. But I'm sorry to say that as a therapist, we can't help with that. We don't have control over outcomes. We can't say that this won't happen again. And as a parent, scary things will happen. You won't hear from your child when they're living in, you know, they're living in the city and you haven't heard from them and they were out late in the evening. Right. Um, you know, scary things happen. I think becoming a parent is so scary. You will hit the, the extremes of all emotions, you know, most likely joy, anger, fear. And so I can't promise that this won't happen again. And if that's the first and foremost thing, then I'd say, can you think of another question or another goal for yourself? Like I would say, can I communicate and give my child the skills to speak up when they are scared? So whatever was happening, there was an avoidance and they ran away. Instead of saying, I want to make sure this doesn't happen, it's I want to help my child deal with life when it becomes uncomfortable. That's a great goal for every parent. And mom, I would suggest that uh, you try thinking about that. You were uncomfortable talking to your child. You were uncomfortable. What can we do the next time you feel uncomfortable? Let's name. Let's have a game. Let's make light of it. What are some situations where you feel uncomfortable? When your cousin disagrees with you, when your cousin doesn't let you play, when mommy gets angry, what are those uncomfortable situations? And then start where the child actually can handle it. What do you think, Jamila? I would really want to communicate to the child how frightened we were, Mm -hmm. you know, how much we care about you, how much you mean to us. And when we couldn't find you, we were terrified, you know, and I don't think that's how you want to make your parents feel. You know, I have found that my own child is pretty empathetic towards my feelings, you know, so I talk about being hurt or sad about something she's done that oftentimes registers with her. So I would talk about the feeling of fear. Um, And also, you know, some of the dangers of not being able to be found. You know, there could be a fire, there could be an emergency, you know, maybe for some reason we all have to leave the beach and you'd be here by yourself. You know, we wouldn't want that for you. So it's important that, you know, you always stay where we can find you. It's a matter of your safety. I also wonder, and this might just be simplifying it too much, but like, can we communicate to our kids like hiding is fine like obviously that can be a form of play that's okay but like can we make like a safe word like if you hear me saying you know 
Candy Mountain or something, like you, that should indicate to you that I'm actually really afraid because I, do, I genuinely don't know where you are. Um, and when I scream that, like that's when you know, okay, the game's over, time to come out. I, do, do you think that could work? Yes, I like the creativity of that. I also think that I would help the child start to get used to the idea of saying, I need space and agreeing upon where they're going to take that space. I hear the situation and I zoom out and say, this is who this child is. They're going to run away and avoid. And yes, I want them to understand that their actions have an impact, which is what, you know, Jamil, you said, um, mm -hmm. that, that it made us scared. But we have to be careful because if a child is too worried about the parent, then they don't fix their own problem. They worry, you know, evolutionarily, they're they have to they have to think about their parent so that they can survive. So they will worry about their parents' problem more than they'll worry about their own. Um, so we want to make sure that's in balance. If you only come with your fear, then the child's going to feel shame right? Because they know they upset you. If you come with, hey, there was fear on our part. There was discomfort on your part. We all were pretty uncomfortable. Let's brainstorm together some ideas for how to do this differently next time. That'll be so mm -hmm. cool. And that's the kind of approach that I would take really with any age, which is I really want to say, what can we do different? Well, Letter Writer, thank you so much for writing to us. And if you have advice to share, listeners, you can always share it at momanddad at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. Finally, let's move on to the part of the show where we share something we're loving right now. Jamila, what have you got? Okay, uh, this is a parents-only recommendation. I am recommending Suits. The USA Network series that made oh, TV show. Okay. Meghan Markle um, a star. It's about uh. a guy who somehow stumbles into an interview for Harvard-trained lawyers, though he has not actually gone to college or law school himself and manages to get hired by this very prestigious law firm as a lawyer and all the things they do to cover up the fact that he's practicing law and he's not actually a lawyer. And I laughed when I listened to Prince Harry's memoir because he talked about how Will and Kate love suits and how he couldn't believe that Meghan could go places without being recognized. You know, he made suits out to be this really big show. And I was like, suits is not a big show. Suits comes on USA. But it's, yeah, it's like a little cable it's show. It's a cable show, but it's streaming on Netflix now, and it is so good. I am on season three out of eight. I started watching it like a week ago. I'm obsessed. <laughs> who does Meghan Markle play? She plays Rachel Zane, who is a paralegal who wants very badly to be a lawyer, but has a hard time passing the bar exam. And she's got this father who's this high-profile lawyer um, and people treat her differently when they find out who her father is. And so it's a big source of anxiety for her. It's just really, really good. Great. What about you, Leslie? Well, it's funny because I had one idea. It's these um, documentaries that I've been watching lately, I just love. These would be adults, but um, sometimes I watch documentaries which are heavy and I know parents need a break. So if you are the type of person <laughs> who finds a documentary giving you a break and you know getting you out of your head and out of your world, then I would recommend All That Breathes. 
which is just uh, exquisitely made. It's set in India about two brothers who run a bird hospital rescuing these wild kites. Kite oh, is I a kind of bird. This trailer. Yeah, it's um, a beautiful story between people with nature. It's heavy because, yes, it's talking about uh, making us see the environmental crisis that we are dealing with. And at the same time, there's uh, there's strength and beauty and the the work of pe- that people are doing that makes such a difference. Uh, I love that. And uh, I got a recommendation, speaking of uh, um, animals and birds and everything, I got a recommendation from my daughter. I haven't read the book yet. Also about animals called This Immense World. She said it's a book you and dad can read together. It's a book about the way animals sense the world. So it's a whole new way of looking at animals, and supposedly it changes the way you look at animals forever. I guess the last thing I'll say is I'm going to recommend an all walk, A-W-E. It's Mm -hmm. taking a walk, whether you're in a city, whether you're in the country, and just slowing down enough to maybe notice a you know, a shiny rock or a variegated leaf or, you know, the sound of a bird that you haven't heard. So, yeah, I would recommend uh, a book, a movie, and a walk. Great. Those are all awesome. Thank you. Okay. My recommendation is hearkening back to our vacation um, when we were we were on the Mediterranean in Tel Aviv a couple of weeks ago, and we didn't discover this till the last day, but both my kids are really into find, looking for seashells, but we started to discover tiny seashells that actually had little holes in them um and we decided oh if you can find enough of these you can make a necklace out of them and so that became a very fun activity for them not only to find seashells but to look you know specifically for ones with holes in them that kept them busy for hours um and so you know giving your kids if you want like some time to read that great beach novel that you've been wanting to read um and you want your kids to stop asking you to entertain them, you know, give them that kind of specific game, go look for a bunch of, uh, you know, this type of seashells, and then they can bring them home in their suitcase. And it gives them something to look forward to once, you know, you get home from vacation, because we often can get the kind of end of vacation blues when it's like, oh, we got to go home. But now it gives them something to look forward to. Seashell jewelry. (laughs) Nice. That's it for our show. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review. And tell your friends. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio for Leslie Cohen-Rubery and Jamila Lemieux. I'm Zach Rosen. Thank you for listening. <laughs>